So welcome to the Rock Out of Podcasting. I am Charles McFall. I am your Rock Out of Podcasting. Today I'm going to bring you some stories from my awesome life. Life's all about making experiences and here are the stories that I want to share with you about them. This is Ask Me Anything. So you can ask me a question. Hit me up. Bearcrawling at gmail.com. Facebook.com forward slash Rock Out of Podcasting. Twitter's at Rock Out of Pod. We'll go to charlesmcfall.com and use the speak pipe right there to leave a voicemail. We want to hear your question today. Mike, we've got a question. What is it? Yes, sir. Well, you, you know, we've been, uh, gosh, we've been recording this show now for a couple decades and uh, <laughs> two, 300 like episodes in. I, I uh, uh, One of the things we do, if you're a regular listener to the show, is Charles will suddenly go, oh, hey, that's a topic for another show. And I'll make a quick note and then we'll move on with the rest of the show. And so I've got one right here. And it's a question that I literally wrote down in the moment and then spaced. Looking at the question right now, I realize I I literally have no clue what you were talking about. So the question is, is it truly bad to be thoughtless? Now, I got to think, yes. (laughs) Just sit in your corner. You're wrong. Think about what you've done. (laughs) (laughs) all right so is it truly bad to be thoughtless i kind of remember saying this uh, it was in definitely in a stream of consciousness right and and for those of you go that sounds religious what the hell is that that uh, it does a stream of consciousness absolutely to me sounds religious uh but no what is it's just your thought As, as thoughts are flowing and you're just talking it out you're just figuring it out it's just that flow of thought and words and Whatnot. So is it truly bad to be thoughtless? Let me tell you how I was raised. <laughs> I was raised to what Mike said. Yes. Yes, it's really bad because you you have to consider others. You have to do this. You have to think about that. You have to have consequences. You have to. Uh, 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 uh. And I will not have what she's having because that's just a crappy life. And. I, I remember growing up, my mom always told me I was I had to be the gentle giant. So at 14 years old, I hit six feet tall. Before that, I was still bigger and stronger than everybody I was around and was made as clumsy. I was made fun of and actually had you know, serious growing pains in my knees when uh, I was just growing so fast. Every time I ran, my legs hurt and this and that and the other and all this stuff. But the the negative part of it was... I was also sheltered. This is a little side note. I was also sheltered and kept in this religious bubble because my my father was a preacher. We literally grew up inside of the church. Uh, and by so no, I did live in a house. Okay, a lot of times the house was on the church property. We weren't like Catholics where you live in the church, although they don't have families. Uh, whatever. I lived in a house. But every time the church doors were open, and sometimes even when they weren't, I was over there having to do stuff. You know, if there was missions week, which the Southern Baptists do, which is what our denomination was, you know, every morning I had to be over there for missions breakfast and listen to them talk, the missionaries talk about what they've done. And and it's during the day when most kids are in school, but because I was homeschooled, I had to be there. And then at night, we had the Missions Week revival. So I'd be, you would have a couple hours off in the afternoon and then go back at night, except that my dad was the preacher. So we didn't exactly get a couple hours off in the afternoon. Sometimes we'd have to go out with the missionaries and entertain them and show them around and, and a bunch of adult boring speak. And it, it just, I hated it. I mean, just, I hated it. It was boring. It, it, was, it was a miserable lifestyle and I hated it. So that I spent all that time in the church and uh, Mike and I actually, before we did the show today, we we're just talking about stuff randomly. And he mentioned the concept in the South that you, what your kids do and say reflect on the parents. And that was a huge thing in my life. And I remember at some point my mom actually telling me what I do reflects on her. And I think she might've even, and this is what I felt. So at least it was a subconscious message. I don't know if she actually said it, but the the subconscious into that sentence is, you know, everything you do reflects on me and it makes me look bad. So I just remember that whole thought process having to be, you know, everything's bad. And, And then on the flip side of it, asking the questions of of my family grew up playing cards 
I, I had to learn how to play poker on my own, which is fine because I actually got pretty good at it and and uh, ended up making some money amateur style playing poker for a while. But uh, we didn't play poker. We didn't do that as of the devil. Uh, what we did was we played hearts and spades and canasta and you know, family games. And I remember one night going to, I was at this church dinner, Wednesday night in the South for Southern Baptists is dinner time, right? It's church dinner. And we, because that was part of the gig, we got to eat for free. And so every Wednesday night, that's exactly what we did. We ate dinner. Oh my God, people. Oh my God. (laughs) To this day, I will not eat white rice. Because every, and it took me a long time to even eat green beans, but every damn Wednesday night, I shit you not, unflavored white rice. I mean, no salt, no nothing. Just the cheapest bulk in the 80s white rice that you could buy. Then there was the cheapest bulk green beans you could buy. Still no salt, pepper, nothing. Fried chicken, that ain't nothing like Kentucky Fried Chicken or Chick-fil-A. It's, it's. Cheap, <laughs> it's cheap bulk chicken, and the seasoning it was barely coated to have a crispy skin, you know. But there's no seasoning to it, no flavor. And these dry ass rolls, man. This it, I, I don't even know what kind of roll it's supposed to be, but they were dry. They they were tough, and the butter you put on it, they had stick butter on every table just to cut off a little square. I don't know if you've ever messed with stick butter. It doesn't spread. The stuff that goes into butter spreads has different chemicals in it or or ingredients or whatever to make it spread. So this was the shit heel meal that I had to eat every freaking Wednesday night from age 6 to age 12-ish. Right? Age 5, actually, to age 12. And it was... Uh, I, I, I hate rice. I hate rice so much at this point. Now, I like different types. Where I've discovered other types of rice. There's jasmine rice. There's, there's yellow rice. There's all kind of other stuff that I, I've got to eat other rice. I, I still won't touch white rice because they, there's just nothing there for me. And it's horrible. Uh, and I've learned that it's a thing called salt and pepper that when you cook with it, it it's magic. And it makes food taste good. <laughs> so anyway, I was at one of these dinners. And this old lady, I was talking to some friend or something. I honestly cannot remember what was the conversation, but something came out about playing cards. And this old lady jumped my shit. And which one, there's a, there will be at some point a show about entitlement because we think entitlement comes with race. Sometimes we think it comes with, with, uh, uh, I can't think of some other negatives because I know where it comes from. It comes from all humans think they, they're owed something. And uh, I wish I could remember the philosopher who said, uh, to truly learn, you have to understand that you know nothing. You know, once you understand that what you don't know, that you don't know anything, then you can learn. You know, and the, the church people are entitled Churchies are so entitled. It is not even funny. Uh, anyway, this old lady who was very entitled just just thought she could re- read me the riot act about cards and this and that. And then took it to my, didn't take me, but apparently didn't re- like my response to her, which I think I was just, I was always taught to say, yes, ma'am, no, sir. Even though she was a bloody ass shit heel. Uh, that's not what I was going to go with. But I figured what I was going to go with is probably a little too dramatic. <laughs> so, uh, even though she had no right to speak to me the way she did. And I knew that. And I hated her for it. I said, uh, yes, ma'am, whatever. And just took off. She took it to my father. So I had this talk with my parents, right? So I had this talk later about, we don't say certain things in the church. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, my, my question was, this is getting back to asking questions and challenging thought processes and getting told to shut, shut up, uh, going, we lived there every day. I mean, I, I am in that church more in my short life than that old lady's ever been in her entire life. This is my house. You know, I was already developing that attitude. And my parents got that actually, oddly enough. Like, no, no, it's a, they had to explain to me that cards 
Because at that time, I'd never noticed, and you might not have ever noticed. You just pick up a pack of cards, right, and you play whatever game you want with them. But all cards, at least at that time, I don't know if they've changed it in the decades that have passed since then, but a regular pack of cards usually say poker cards on them. Because I guess that's what they're originally made for. And maybe now it's just a style. like we call facial tissue Kleenex. We call search engines Google. You might not use Google. And Bing has tried so hard. So hard. It's like, you can Bing it. And everybody's like, no, that's stupid. Um, although the word Google is not. I don't know. But we call things by their brand name when it's actually something different. So Kleenex is not Kleenex. You might like You might buy Puffs or... I thought I knew some other Kleenex or facial tissue brands. I can't think of it. Angel Soft, you know, whatever. You might buy other brands. You will call it Kleenex. Well, Kleenex is actually a brand. It's apparently the brand, but it's a brand. So Hoyle is a brand of cards that was, I it might still be the number one card maker in the world. And But on their packs, it says poker cards. And that was told, I was sat down and had a talk with about, you can't talk about playing cards. I'm like, why not? We don't do anything wrong. And they had to explain about poker cards and how it says it on the pack. And I'm still going, and not in my mind, but as as a 38 year old adult channeling that kid, I'm still going, who the fuck cares? Are you fucking kidding me? It says the word poker. I don't give a shit. We're playing, connect. we're having family time. We're doing things most families don't do. We're doing things that old ass heifer will never do with her grandkids spend time with them you know we're having fun and i'm getting in trouble because the fun that we have has to happens to have a word that says poker on it fuck her shut up <laughs> that's, that's the, the gist was stop asking questions just do it asking asking questions about uh religious conflicts I can't think of one right off the top of my head right now, but uh, just a general why. Why does that happen? You you ask that, period. Around me, I'll try to find an answer, and I've raised my kids that way. Ask why. And I've actually raised my kids to say, I'll ask them, why the hell did you just do that? And if they go, I don't know, I was like, that, that'll get you beat. I will beat you down for an I don't know. I want to know the why. If you don't know why you're doing something, you need to stop doing it. That's, I mean, even if it's what well, it kind of felt good at the time, oh, it just seemed like a cool idea. And I've told them these phrases and I've taught them that because we do stupid things. Why'd you do that? Well, the reality is, if you take a second thing about it, everybody else was doing it. It seemed kind of fun. I don't know. It just, it just looked fun. I can see now that it could break windows and, and do bad things, but hitting the baseball towards the house just seemed like the right thing to do. That makes sense. And then we can say, okay, but you see the consequence is you broke the window, right? So let's start thinking about if we're going to, because it makes it a teaching moment. If I can get them to get past that, but the whole shrugging the shoulders, I was like, uh-uh, that's, that along with lying will get you beaten in my house. You need to know the why of what you're doing. Well, I didn't want to hit it into the street, so I thought I'd turn and hit it towards the house. That's a why. There's consequences you don't see coming, but that's, that's a why. So anyway, asking why. We usually get you shut down in this world. And it did many, many times. And you mix that, you know, my ability to try to think and get reasons behind something and understand something mixed with religious bubble of, of shelter being sheltered, mixed with homeschooling being a little bit sheltered, you know, away from other people teaching me processes or explaining things god man like i can remember two major incidences in my life where i cussed and had no idea because i didn't now here's the other thing and this is a little side note being thoughtless is a good thing sometimes and we as human beings especially as adults who have tons of baggage and, and issues we need to stop and ask a kid why they did something uh, uh i think it's i think it's Bill Ingvall has a funny bit where he's talking about his kid in the back seat going, what's, what's petting, you know, or heavy. Basically it made him think about, um, fondling boobs, right? When you're David, the heavy petting stage of dating or whatever, when you're 
touching each other over the clothes and and his daughter was like six or something at the time and he's all flustered and he's trying to explain it and then finally he just stopped and went, why why do you ask and she she had seen a sign that said pedestrian crossing or something like that or and she, it, it, the sign on the road made her say petting because she read it wrong but his thought process took him to the wrong place so it always is good to stop and ask why why did you say it? Why did you do that? Or what What are you saying? You know, those kind of things. Because being thoughtless, which a lot of kids are, they don't have that baggage. They don't have that experience even to relate to. They're going to say things and do things because it just makes sense in their mind or they read something wrong. And the two stories I have that are quick about this, when I was a kid, I was watching Back to the Future at a friend's house. And I think I was in first grade, maybe second grade at the best when that came out and loved it. And, of course, at the beginning scene at the, I think it's the Twin Pines Mall, that uh, uh, the terrorists come, right? It's so ridiculous how the terrorists come to steal the the, the dime machine. With what we know about terrorism now, but it, it's, it was cool. It was the 80s. Uh, and, anyway, Marty McFly, they they killed the professor. And Marty McFly, uh, Dot Brown, rather, and they, he, he yells, you bastards. And I don't even know that's a bad word. I don't know anything about it. Neither did my friend who were watching it. We're just sitting there going. And his dad, who was uh, honestly, he, if he had been an alcoholic, he'd have been your typical weird Southern controlling dad alcoholic. He just never drank, as far as I knew. He never beat anybody, as far as I knew either. Uh, but he had that that vibe to him, right? That you see on TV. That that as soon as you see this character show, you're like, oh no, that's a that's a good old boy alcoholic who's going to beat the crap out of his wife and kid. He just kind of had that vibe to him. So he sticks his head out of the hallway and goes, "Don't you don't don't let me boys ever catch you. Wait, don't let me ever catch you boys saying that." And I had no idea what he's saying, so I literally said, "What ba- bastard?" And again, I mean, this is like saying bobble fart or boogle bunk. I mean, it's just a random word. I have no idea what it means. And he snaps him. He's like, what did I just say? I'm like, and I'm terrified of him. And I'm like, I have no idea what I just did wrong. I have, I have no idea. So he's teaching me this is a bad word. And he's teaching me if I want to be ugly to say it. And he's putting fear in me. That's a horrible lessons. And uh, I remember that. I mean, I remember that to the day I die. And the other one I remember I was with some church group. I think we were playing basketball and we went to some public school and some kids who knew I was sheltered, knew I didn't know what I was doing, looked over and went, Hey, Hey, look, read, read that word. And on the wall spray painted on the side of this high school was the word pussy. And at that time I knew it was a cat. That's all I knew. That's it. That's all I knew. And again, I'm young. I mean, I'm eight, nine years old and I, I've been younger than that. But anyway, let's go with eight or nine. And so I read it out loud. And of course, they're snickering and some teacher heard me. And I got I got in trouble. Nobody ever explained why the fuck I got in trouble. I'm just thoughtless. I'm just reading. And it's a cat. I'm like, why? And I'm literally thinking. I remember thinking, why is somebody spray painting cat on the wall? I mean, that's kind of dumb. And, well, I mean, spray painting anything on all this wasn't like good graffiti. This was some idiot kid with a can reaching as high as they could and just horribly wrote out pussy on the wall. And, you know, I, I, I felt bad about myself. And that's the thing. I felt bad about myself because obviously there's something wrong with me that I don't know what other people seem to know. And now I'm doing bad things and what's wrong with me. And then I had to have the talk with my mom, which was so awkward that she still didn't quite explain what pussy meant. Uh, and she asked me, she's like, because of course they reported it to her. They, As soon as they saw her, they told her that her you know, preacher's son has uh, such a horrible mouth and this and that and the other because people are fucking dicks and they will try to watch the world burn and take down anything they can. So instead of treating this as, hey, your kid kind of said this and it, he, he's a good kid. He doesn't seem to talk, you know, say these kind of things. We just wanted you to know they made it seem like I was the worst kid ever. And, and she knew better. But it was it was churches suck. All right. If you haven't already figured out about my experiences with the church growing up, you're going to get more of it. But I want to just tell you now, if you take offense at me hating on churchies and even Christians sometimes, because I will flat out say Christians are stupid sometimes. We'll have a show about faith. 
we'll have a show about understanding. I know there's one I talked about uh, politics, religion, and insurance are all the same, and they're a scam. Uh, don't one if you believe what you believe. Okay, I just feel like because this is going to be a heavy church show, apparently. So you're going to hear me shit on it a lot. So I'm going to be very clear right now at 20 minutes in. If you last at 23 minutes in, you're going to get the explanation. If not, then you probably didn't need to be here in the first place. <laughs> but faith is a whole different ball game than religion. And if you believe what you believe, you need nobody else to believe it for you to believe it. However, most Christians, and if you're mad at me or getting irritated or getting uncomfortable, this is probably where you sit. Most Christians don't even know why they believe what they believe. I could probably say that for Muslims. I could probably say that for Jews. I don't know them. My experience has been in the Christian world, so I keep it to my experience. But human nature says we follow. That's what most people do is follow. And I guarantee you most people don't know why they practice what they practice or why they believe what they believe. And if you need me to believe like you, then you don't believe it. So kiss my ass. That's the bottom line. Faith is about believing in something else bigger than yourself. And that's something we can discuss all day long. Religion is the biggest bunch of bullshit in the world. And as soon as you t you'll take a tiny bit of truth and put all their human stuff on top of it. And that's how I see it. And we can have a much larger show about that at some point. It'll be fun. So, going back to hearing me say <laughs> churches and Christians are entitled and stupid. So, I had to sit down with her, and that was the thing, was I was literally tricked into reading this bad word off the wall, and still, I mean, it took me forever to understand. I mean, years. And, of course, in a kid's mind, that's forever. I mean, it took years for me to fully understand what that word meant at all and why it was a bad word and why, you know, so on and so forth. Man, that was that was the shitty experiences I grew up with. That was just one of, of millions, it feels like. Uh, this happens to be the church I did talk about that uh, politics and all that happened, and they ran us out of the church and threw us out in the street. Uh, so that's the same place. So I'm going through my experience of why it's hot, being thoughtless, thoughtless is bad. And... I mean, on the top of all this, on the top of being taught, don't think, don't ask why, and never actually being explained and fed. My brain is hungry. I'm not being fed the information I need of, okay, it's a bad word. Here's why it's a bad word. People use it this horrible way because people are stupid. And that's something I've used to teach my kids over and over again. People are stupid. Why is that a bad word? Well, it really shouldn't be. It really should be a fine word. It really should be this or that. But people like to watch the world burn. People do stupid things. I'm sorry that's the way the world is. But here's what you need to understand in order to get through it. Fine. Just understand that, that people will react stupidly and this is that. I'm not getting that. I'm not getting any of that. So I've got the, the poker cards. And are you kidding me? So, uh, well, just don't. Don't say anything. Just stop asking. Stop talking. Stop thinking. I've got the bad word situations where I'm not being explained what the hell. So I'm still being left to think there's something wrong with me. And I've spent most of my life thinking that. It wasn't until the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years that I started figuring out, no, there's nothing wrong with me. I am special. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I am the raw guy of podcasting. I am set apart to be the few people in this world that can do some amazing shit like Steve Jobs and Oprah Winfrey and Jim Henson. Because we are made from a different cloth. We, we can't just follow. It, doesn't, it goes against our grain to just follow. We need to know the why. We see the world in layers. We see the universe as the matrix, and we can start bending code and seeing beautiful things and changing how stuff's done. So I do understand that I am special and awesome in and, and, and that way. But there's something wrong with the world. And what's wrong with the world is we just, it's so much easier to buy in to what everybody else is doing than to think for ourselves. But from my entire life, I grew up going, well, there's something wrong with me because I don't buy in. And because since I don't buy in, since I can't, I mean, since I can't buy in, it, it's like, I love the matrix trilogy. And, and that one time I, I told, I would, I said to people, I said, the matrix is my religion and Best Buy is my church because religion is man-made. And if I'm going to follow any kind of religion, I love that one. 
the matrix, the idea that we're being fed a load of bullshit, we're, uh, the reality we know, quote unquote, know, is actually being fed to us and it's false and we have to play by other people's rules. But as, I, as soon as I start understanding the very few actual rules that there are in the world and start seeing that I can do other things, I'm about to say seeing I can fly, but you might actually take me serious thinking that I think I can do that. But thinking, seeing that I can, I can do metaf- metaphorically, I can fly, that I can stop bullets, that I can, you know, do all these things. That was a religion I could get behind. So how is thoughtless being good? So growing up being a gentle giant, I mean, I was always big and my mom was so terrified of me hurting people. And she always told me I had to be a gentle. I mean, it's a bad thing to me that she was saying gentle. I mean, because the whole assumption is saying I have to be the gentle giant is that by my nature of breathing, being alive, being just there, I hurt people. That's the message I grew up with. And that's never the message my mom wanted to impart on me. She wanted me to be careful, but she was so terrified of life. Still is to a point, to be honest. But she's so terrified of life. She was so terrified that somehow I was going to do something horrible to somebody just by accident and thoughtlessness that she had to beat into me that I was going to kill somebody. And she did say, she said, you could hurt somebody. You could kill somebody. You have to be so much careful. I'm like, and as an adult now looking back to myself, I'm going, no, you don't, man. No, you don't. You just have to trust in who you are. You just have to know that, yeah, consider that if you're messing around with somebody who's way smaller than you, you consider them and their physical reality and you, you tone it down. Right. I don't I wouldn't tackle a kid the way I would tackle an adult. You know, I wouldn't tackle an adult the same way as I'd take down a, a criminal that was going on. You know, you do have there are reality factors that can play in, but it has nothing to do with me and my size. You know, it's like me being big was the the evilness in the world, and I'm a walking time bomb, and it was just, it was just bad, bad juju. So I was always taught consequences. I was always taught fear, and here's where I'm gonna get into why thoughtlessness is a good thing. Because when you think too much, fear plays in. Your limited experiences in life play in, and. What you know to be true is not always true. But instinct will work for you. Just saying why not (laughs) will work for you. And I can't tell you how many times, again, before the show, Mike and I were talking about business plans and and this kind of thing. And this is something I've been describing to people. My whole career is talking on this microphone. Well, for the longest time, the only way you could do that and get paid was to go into radio and do it their way. And at any point in time, if they didn't like what you do or if your numbers changed or anything happened, you could be fired. And that ability to make money talking on the radio is at least temporarily taken away from you. Then 12 years ago, podcasting was invented and anybody could talk on a microphone and there were no rules. Nobody could tell you no. It was just about you and the audience. And man, I jumped on that in a heartbeat. And but for the longest time, you don't do this to make money. You can't make money. There's no way to make money. Well, then a limited few starting to get the ability to make money because they got an audience, and that's what advertisers want is an audience. They got an audience, so advertisers slowly but surely started putting some money into the industry. Well, you can make money, but you have to be this big. You have to do this thing. And I mean, I got dude for so long. The whole mantra was, you cannot make money doing this. It will not happen, which is a dumb way to say it. And I knew all along, I was like, no, that's not right. We just don't know the reality yet. We don't know what's to come. But I can absolutely make money at this. But it became, you had to have advertising, right? Or get so big that maybe you get invited to speak at places and you make your money speaking at places. Or a big, easy channel for people to do in podcasting was to teach other people how to podcast. Well, I've built this huge audience. Obviously, I know what I'm doing. It's not always the case, <laughs> but I know what I'm doing. And I can, for a huge amount of money, I can teach you how to do it too. And I just really have issues with that. 
not all teachers. I mean, there's some really great ones out there. I'm not going to call out names on good ones or bad ones, but there's, there's some bad teachers out there and there's some people who just monopolize on others and it is what it is. But that became how you make money, not through talking, but because you showed you could talk well and get an audience. Now I can teach people how to do it or I can manage it for other people or so on and so forth. And then a few years ago, bling, this site called Patreon pops up and gives us the ability to have our audience pledge and support what we do. And it was the first time not only could they do that, because you could go through PayPal and do subscriptions and, and people would pay. You could donate one time, whatever. There, there were ways, but it always felt like begging to your audience, please, can you go support my show? And, and for a long time, people said, you buy me a cup of coffee. And the coffee cup, when you clicked on it, took you to a PayPal place. And they could either subscribe every month, they'd send you so much money, or they could just give you one time thing. But it always felt like you had your hat out and your hand begging, going, please, give me some money. And it never felt good to the podcaster. It never felt good to the audience. Then this Patreon site comes along, and oh my God, man. I'm getting all stuffy for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, but Patreon comes along and they not only give us the ability to say, oh, if you like what we do now, we're now we're in PR level. Now we're PBS pledge drives. Right. Oh, you know, we do this for the people. It's us and the people. It's us together building this this thing that's going on, this show, this entertainment, this empire. It's us. And that changes the vibe. Right. Then it's like, hey, the show's always going to be free and you're always going to get this free. We love free. I love giving it to you for free. But if you love what I do and you want to help me out, you can go to Patreon and you can give me a dollar an episode or a dollar a month or however you want to do it. Because here's the flip side of Patreon is they gave the audience the ability to control anonymously, more or less. I mean, I still know when somebody pledged to me you know, $4 or whatever, or if they changed it. I don't always know that you leave. I don't know what your limits are. So it might say, Mike Woodard pledged $100 an episode for you. Well, I'm like, woo, that's 400 a month. Well, the reality is Mike gave 100 bucks, but it's once a month because he can limit that. It doesn't put that in my face. It doesn't show me your financial struggle. It doesn't show me any negatives. It doesn't show me that you said, I'm going to give you 10 cents an episode, but really I'm only going to give you 10 cents a month. It doesn't show me anything. It only shows me the good. Mike is pledged to you. That's awesome. I love you, Mike. Thank you for pledging. It changed the whole energy on everything and thoughtlessness got us there. Because I never followed the dumb-ass school of thought of this is how the world works. Because that's the thought process. That's the thought experience. Because that's the only reality we ever knew was you have to have a radio. Oh, well, I guess you don't have to have a radio anymore. Well, you kind of have to do this. You have to, have, you know, it's still this old, people never just break their thought process. Not ever. They will take chunk, little bits out of it at a time, maybe chunks. But let's imagine a thought process as a ruler or something you can cut easily, whatever, big piece of paper. And when you're changing it, you might cut this tiny little strip out. It changed that part of the thought process. The whole process mostly remains the same. So that but surely you can change the way you think. I just choose not to think. I just choose to go, well, how are you going to make money with your business? Who gives a shit? about that right now right now i'm going to focus on the fact that my bills are getting paid with the job that i have or had you know now now i am working for myself but let me drop back let me drop back to 2012 2013 i've always worked towards building a podcasting company i've always worked towards doing all this other stuff podcasting started in 2004 uh like summer spring summer ish i jumped on board in august of 2004 and I started podcasting. Well, I started doing segments for a show by the end of 2004, and I was listening to them and started producing some segments. But I started doing my own show, uh, Pulling My Pod, in uh, fall, late fall of 2004. So, you know, I just went along, and then people were, and I was working a job. I was, doing, I was a paramedic and, you know, doing all this other stuff. So on and so forth. Then it was just a hobby, it was just kind of crazy. I ended up uh, having a, a kid and filing bankruptcy. I went and got another job. And for almost a year, I worked that job and was a little miserable. I had another kid. Uh, and it was just, 
I was miserable because I wasn't talking to people and I was getting the stories from my, you know, the word from my wife and my best friends. Like you've told that story before you, you told that story yesterday. It just wasn't feeling that flow of communication. I've got so many thoughts and stories and stuff to share that it's a hell of a lot easier here on the microphone because I can tell the same old story. This might be the first episode you've ever heard of me ever. And so you don't know the stories. Maybe you've listened to everything I've ever done, and you're going to hear parts of different stories that you've already heard because that's my life. But I always try to, I try to relate it to whatever we're talking about. So you might hear different things. You might hear new things. You might hear the same thing. I mean, honestly, if you listen to me long enough, you will absolutely hear the same thing because it's a true life experience. And that's how people like me who talk share their lives. But I was getting it often. So I didn't start podcasting to make money again. I mean, I didn't start again to make money. I started to get the stories out and go, okay, I feel like I've told that story now. I can move on to something else. And Bear Crawling was the the show that I came back with. And that show was really therapy on a microphone. I mean, it was really talking about my issues. And for the first time ever in a lot of cases, it was really about dumping my life and and working through things so never thought about how am i going to make money at this but i knew this is 10 years ago uh well i guess about eight years ago yeah about eight years ago because 2008 is when i started bear crawling um no is that right 2007 i don't remember exactly it doesn't matter to this story but the point is i knew this is what i was going to do for a living this is this man it clicked it's just one of those moments you know this is what the rest of my life is going to be and i was working a job and my wife's like oh well how are you gonna make money i don't know and for a while i did focus on that and just did nothing spun my wheels just oh i can't figure out how to make money oh i have to you know but i just kept at it and finally i just let go of that stupid thought how are you gonna make money I just went, let's focus on what's going on now. Oh, I've got a job that actually fuels my stories for the show. Oh, I've got a job that allows me to put money into my show, to get equipment that I need to, to grow. I've got a wife who doesn't understand, but is supportive, who says, you know what? Sure, as long as we make a balance, as long as we, we have the bills paid and we're safe as a family, go get that soundboard or or." that microphone or whatever she needed to go to that conference. And then she slowly but surely understood. Now she does a show with me. Uh, EMG season two will be coming out shortly. Uh, Mashuppodcast.com. Anyway, I just focus on sticking with it. And I've seen so many things change over the years because I was thoughtless. I didn't hold the thoughts that you wanted me to. I just went with who gives a shit. Right now, I'm happy. Right now, my audience is growing. Right now, I'm obviously doing something right because perfect strangers who are in this industry, you know, other hosts that are doing the same thing I'm doing, they hear what I do and they they see it's amazing. Other people that I talk to, Mike is a great example of that. I've used him as examples a lot, but this is a real one today. You know, Mike came through his chain of podcasts. He heard this on this show and that on that show and this. And he just kept saying, oh, these guys are cool. These guys, oh, because I like what they're doing and they recommend this other thing, he ultimately got to me. And when he got to me, he made an offer he made to a lot of people. I do voiceover work. And if you ever need any help, let me know. And I put that in the back of my mind. I responded back to him and I said, that's cool. I, I respect what you do. When I have something legitimate for you, I will hit you up and not too long after that i had some legitimate stuff i needed and i hit him up and then we started talking then he started producing my thing and i mean that's the thing that's how it works because if you go well if i'm going to do this show and i'm going to get paid how am i going to get a producer how am i going to afford all the who cares be thoughtless experience life and i just went i know what i'm going to do i know eventually i'm going to be on a big stage talking to thousands if not millions of people Maybe literal stage, maybe the figurative internet stage. But I know that's where I'm going. I know with every job I've ever had, I could fix the shit that's going on and make things better, and they won't listen to me. And I know the few times I have been listened to, I made things better. 
I know I see things in a different way. I see a way to connect people. And that doesn't go away. No matter how many times I've had that, tried to have that beaten down out of me by bosses, by family members, by friends. And when I say try, I don't mean I tried to have it beaten down. I mean, people around me tried to beat that process out of me. It won't work. But why I finally gave up? It, because it makes people uncomfortable. When you can come in and, well, okay, I understand on the surface, too, it sounds like I'm an egotistical bastard, and sometimes I am. But every job I've ever had, I can go in and I can say, I, here's, here's what I would do differently. Here's what I'd do better, and I, I, I can't tell you on paper why it will work, but I'm telling you, I can feel it. It will work. And they ignore me. But then when I get it, and it works. I mean, I had clinics that, and this is a job I worked at. I had to deal with medical clinics and make reports. And I had clinics that were so looking for problems. They were, they were looking for reasons to be mad. They, it was that kind of place. And they loved me. Because one, I wouldn't put up bullshit. I was like, hey, hey, hey. Let's be real about something here, you know, and we'd have those talks. But I say, I, I, what, do you, what do you truly want? I will, I will make, because I'm here, because when you're thoughtless, when you're not trying to push your own goddamn agenda, guess what you get to do? You get to serve people and help them. And it's very easy. It's very easy to do that. And when I go, you're the client. I have nothing in me here that, that cares about what you do in a negative way. This is, oh, no, no, this has to be the way. You want it purple and upside down? Okay. Oh, look, I found an easy way to make it purple and upside down. It's a win-win. I can knock this out fast. I get paid fast. We're good. And you're happy. That's what thoughtlessness does. Thoughts say, well, this is, this is really kind of how we do this. And, oh, my God, you're pissing me off because you just hate on everything. And they did. They kind of hated on everything. Just to hate on everything. That's thoughts, man. Now, yeah, that's experiences. That's emotions. And don't get me wrong. I absolutely get mad. Listen to the, the show that's going to go away, Chaos and Coffee. Um, and actually, by the time you hear this, it's pretty much ended. But it's still on Blog Talk for a little bit. I get mad. I mean, I, I, I read a story and I take it personal about what's going on in that story sometimes and I will get angry. So yeah, I have those moments, but when I actually come at you to try and when I have to, cause like, I don't, I will not choose to work with people who hate on things intentionally. That's I, I avoid that. I want to work with people who are easy and fun and exciting and creative. And that's what I aim to work with now. And when I can take your problem and make it a, a solution for you, when I can make it easy and you you love it and our energy just syncs up, that's who I want to work with. But what I'm saying is being thoughtless, let me, I can work with those people. I can, I can say, sure, you're the client. Let me, what do you want? You don't like what I do? Yeah, it's going to hurt my feelings a little bit. Uh, the church group I work with now, Metron, I, I did this light solution that I love, this, this thing that really made the light up. The bishop hated it instantly. It just hit some moment in his life, or not a moment, but it hit, it hit something in him that he just couldn't. He said, like, no, 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 this isn't going to work. It hurt my feelings a little bit because I was very proud of what I'd come up with, but I never said a word. And I very, I very quickly got over it going, okay, yeah, it hurts my feelings because I was proud of what I did. I was being creative, but I missed the mark. I didn't get what he needed. And ultimately, that's exactly what I'm doing here is meeting his needs. So we took it down. And I kept at it. I kept working on it. And I came up with a, a better solution for him that still meets what I want to do. And then I got the moment of the human moment of that is so great. You did such a great job. That 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 validation. Going back to podcasting and making money. And but all that's about being thoughtless, right? And that's a good thing. The whole time, I've been doing this for 12 years. And I now get to do it professionally. I've been doing it professionally for, we could debate professionally, but I've been doing it professionally for about two years now, since 2013-ish. So leading into 2013, I had this job that sent me home to work. So I'm working from home. And that's when I really got serious about the business of podcasting. Because up until then, I'd just been half-assing it. Just had ideas. Thoughtlessness is not just random ideas, Okay. I had random ideas, oh, this would be kind of big, but I never took action. I didn't, didn't take steps, didn't move forward. 
But when I got sent home in 2010 and kept my job, I went, this is the opportunity I'm looking for. I still get paid well to take care of my family and work at home. But working at home lets me work, have interviews with people in the middle of the day. It lets me schedule phone calls whenever it's convenient for anybody to talk to them, to progress my business, to grow what I am doing, to record a show, you know, in the middle of the day because I'm at home. And as long as I am putting in the work that they want me to put in, they're happy. That was an opportunity that could have easily been missed. And I saw it and I stayed on it. And there was a couple of moments in that time where my wife was like, well, go ahead and quit because she knew I was going to have a a golden parachute because technically in 2010, I got laid off from what I was doing and, uh, and being laid off, they guaranteed us a, a package. And when they decided to keep me on at home, I was still able to keep that package. It just actually kept growing because it's based on how many year, how many months I'd worked for the company. And I put another basically another three years in at home, but she knew the I had packets and she was kind of saying, Hey, go ahead and quit and just see what you can do with your podcasting. And I, that's where I had a thought. <laughs> this is where thoughtfulness is good. I went, no, because I know I don't have a game plan. I don't know how I'm going to make money at this. So I can't just quit and give it the two months or three months or whatever this pay is going to cover to to make this work it's not like i know oh if i just had time i could go out and knock on this door and get a sponsor and knock on that door and get money there was none of that i I, there was nothing ready so instead i really just prepared myself to to see what was coming and be open to the possibilities what's coming next i don't know because i'm thoughtless i focused on right now i'm gonna make my show the best i can i'm gonna make my business the best i know how at the time. And I want to appreciate that this job that as an entrepreneur and as somebody who, who flows and grows and is creative, having a job that ties me to a desk, working for the man, working for somebody else, doing it their way, which is a, a just insanely bad customer service way. It, it, it did drag on me. It did pull me down. It did kind of hold me back a little bit. But I appreciated what I had because it paid the bills and gave me the opportunity that most jobs would never give you to build my empire and to get my shows ready and to get myself ready for what was to come. 2013, I get laid off. And I saw it coming. We both saw it coming. And tell you what, though, seeing it coming and knowing it's coming and, and being excited for the future didn't change the fact that the day I got laid off, you know, I, it was just kind of that shell shock. I mean, not shell shock. I mean, I knew it was coming. What am I trying to say? It was like, all right, it's done. And almost like Christmas morning. <gasps> Christmas morning, excitement. This thing happened. And then afterwards, it just starts sinking in. And, you know, maybe for Christmas, it's, oh, Christmas is done. No more presents. Or I didn't get the presents I wanted. Or, wow, it was really good. I got everything I wanted. I'm satisfied. But in this case, being laid off, by that night and into the next day, I was depressed. I mean, I was, I was on the verge of crying. Because I, I, I just, that real life human moment hits. It hit, and it hit hard of, I really don't fucking know what's about to happen. We t- technically have no money now. Now, no earned income, okay? I got laid off. I got to file for unemployment, but I also had a retirement package that was a lump sum that was going to cover us for a good three or four months. But just that, I, I don't have a job. And while I was looking forward to it and I had plans in place, I had that real life moment. And I mean, it, it was difficult that next day. I mean, it really, really, really was. And I got, I mean, I was, I was really deep in depression that day. I just, just you know, overwhelmed by the world and not knowing what's going to go on. I actually started a short lived video series because uh, I have some good ideas that, a lot of them just don't take off, but it's still on my channel. It's youtube.com forward slash C K Y M N S T R. You know, that is cookie monster without any vowels. Uh, but it's life as it happens, laid off day one. I think I did four or five days. Uh, and there's a video out there that I deleted. I wish I hadn't, cause I'd like to go back and look at it. 
but I was documenting going through the process, right? Of of God, here are my thoughts of being laid off, and here's what's happening day one, and and there were some other videos that came after that weren't necessarily laid off day whatever. But it was about the job hunt and it was about the opportunity. I was searching out every opportunities and how I was trying to make my future happen. And I'm not talking about just putting in applications. I'm talking about I was looking for uh, acting gigs. I was taking I was looking in Craigslist for anything that involved a microphone. You know, I was looking at every possibility out there and still focusing on podcasting. And, and that's actually when from the Helicarrier was born because I'd already uh, had people and I got laid off in August, but I already had people ready to send me. They paid for me to have a ticket to Dragon Con that year. That's the first year I ever went to Dragon Con was 2013. So I, I went and made a huge splash and people I respected and saw as serious names in the industry and people who do this for a living. I mean, their job, their day job is talking on a microphone, producing their own podcast and they actually can make enough money to pay some staff to help them with that. And that was my goal. And I'm seeing them in person and then I'm talking to them. And then they, the next year they start taking me seriously. Uh, or I mean, they took me seriously. Don't get me wrong, but I was brand new. Nobody knew me there in that world. And, and so I just talked with them and do, do what I do. And I just, I was the rock out of podcasting and I did what I did and made an impression and got some validation from some people as well while I did it. And that's is shortly after that in October from the Helicarrier was born because one, Ibit and I had met at that Dragon Con and really talked about the idea of it. And two, I found myself playing the game more than looking for a job. And I knew I should be looking for a job and filling out applications. So in my mind, thoughtlessness, because thoughts would say, you have no game plan. There's no way in hell that's going to make money. But, and I know this, that's what experience says, but thoughtlessness said, I literally had this process. God, I, my wife's going to be so mad at me. I know I'm doing wrong. I need to do more applications and play this game less. But I just it just feels so good to play this game. I better start a podcast so I can make some money at it and have a reason to play this game. That was it. That was literally the declaration of my mind. And so I did. And so we did. We started making money at this show very quickly on a very small audience. Isn't that something? And it's still a small audience. It's a niche thing. You have to play the game to understand the podcast and vice versa. If you listen to the podcast, you'll understand the game a lot better. It's, it's this small, I mean, it's, it's this thing that on paper, that thought tells you will not go anywhere. It won't go anywhere. Thoughtlessness went, this is what we're going to do. And guess what? We did it. And it gave, I mean, it, it changed so many things around this house in such a positive way. It got us through some hard times. I mean, the money that came in from the show got some bills paid. And it wasn't a ton of money, but, man, we had a point in bankruptcy because we ended up losing the house. We ended up filing bankruptcy and giving up the house. And things got super tight because we didn't have very much income. But let me tell you something about thoughtlessness and about I mean, I can go into to giving and I can go into all kind of other stuff. And I think it was in the giving show that the phrase thoughtlessness came out. Just do instinct. Just do what feels right sometimes. You know, I don't know why this made me think of you, but man, I saw this thing and it's for you and I give it to somebody and it's just like the greatest thing in the world. And maybe a story comes out that when they were eight and they'd always wanted this kind of thing and never could have it or, you know, so, and I don't know any of that. I just saw something that said, this is, I'm, I'm picking on Mike today. I'm going to just keep using Mike. Man, I saw something that said, this is Mike. And I'm going to give it to Mike. And it's just going to mean more to him than anything in the world. Not always, but I'm talking about those great thoughtless moments. So thought would have said, well, why, why would you buy this, this thing for Mike? Why would you get him a candle that smells like birthday cake? That's, that's dumb. But thoughtlessness says, man, as soon as I saw that inside of me, went, that's Mike. Don't know why, but I'm going to go with it. And I give Mike the birthday candle, birthday cake candle, and he, he like, oh my God, Charles, you don't understand. Now this is all fake story, but I'm just using an example. You don't understand. I mean, when I grew up, we didn't have birthdays very much, and I just saw those birthday cakes. And I just wanted birthday cake so much, and oh my God, you got me this candle that smells like birthday cake. It it makes me so happy every day. That's what thoughtlessness can bring you. 
That's why it's not always a bad thing. Sure, thoughtlessness can be, I'm going to eat the rest of this pizza. Well, that pizza was for the starving kids in Africa, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Thoughtlessness can be bad, but I'm trying to paint this whole picture of, God, we think too much. We think too much and we care too little. Because I think for me, thoughtlessness directly ties emotionally into caring about things. And to go with how I care about others and I care about myself and I care. So I'm not going to put a lot of thought into it. I saw a little side note, but this feels right right now. I saw somebody post a motivational thing online that was great. I wish I could remember. It was a quote, and they they attributed it to whoever quoted it. I cannot remember who said it. But it was something along the lines of sometimes playing nice just prolongs the agony. And instantly went, yes. Oh, my God, I'm done with playing nice. Oh, my God. I mean, it just was one of those moments that just a random thing just unlocked a whole new section to your life. You know, if if you're a book reader, that next book in the series just dropped. This whole new world you get to experience. If if you're a gamer, then all of a sudden you just level to that point where all of a sudden you can go to this whole new section of the game you can never get to before. That phrase just unlocked something in my life that went, oh, my God. Playing nice can prolong the agony. When I Not being nice, playing nice, going, oh, God, this is going to be bad. This is stupid. They're doing everything I hate. You know what? I'll give an exact example on my life. That actually deals with my wife. As you know from earlier in the show, I, I vary against churches. Now, I do work with a church group named Metron. And I got to tell you, there's 90% truth there. Because I think we all put human stuff on it. The stuff I tell you here, there's truth for me in it. There's truth of how I perceive my experiences. And then there's black and white reality sometimes. and they, Or there's a way you would experience it differently. So I think as a human, we all put our own spin on things anyway. So when I say there's 90% truth at Metron, I think there's going to be human spin human experience that plays into the stories, but there's so much truth there and so much freedom to think how I want to think and be how I want to be. And so many things that line up either with what I believe in my life already, or it builds on something I believe. So that's a, and I have a hard time calling into church because I know what churches are. It's like when people tried to call podcasting internet radio, it's like, no, 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 this is not radio at all. Metron is not church at all. I just don't have a better word to tell you what it is. That was what podcasting was for the longest time. We just don't know how to tell you what it is better. So sure, we'll take internet radio, but it's not really what it is. Churches. Oh, my wife and churches. So my wife, and I get this, she wants the kids to be part of things. And in the South, churches offer a ton of free family experiences. They offer a ton of good kid experiences. And this church, which was everything we hated in a church, it was it was Catholic-based, so it was a lot of ritual. And I got to tell you, people, there's you want your rituals? I'm not going to take that away from you. What I want to tell you is when I go into a church and they want to do what's called a responsive reading, and I, I've been in other churches to do this. It wasn't that big a deal. But they, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to participate. I don't have to. I don't need to. I'm good. But when the the pastor stands up at the pulpit and and reads blah, 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 whatever the words are, and the audience responds, oh, my God. I mean, instantly the vibe, the energy went, oh, shit, I need to get out of here. It instantly felt like a cult. It instantly felt like people who were going to do horrible things to you. It was just this horrible, monotone, lifeless brainless response and god i mean because you can if somebody says to you and I, I don't have any words in front of me someone did the blah blah blahs again if i if we're if you're if i'm participating with you and you really have energy and you go blah 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 blah, blah and i'm even though i'm reading i'm gonna go back to you i like these words blah blah blah, blah, blah. i mean there's this energy and there's life to it you, it's not about the response of reading. It's not about the ritual even. It's how these people plugged into it. And it's, I mean, the, the whole sermon, my wife and I were going, this guy is actually, actually contradicting himself. He'll literally say, this person who did this is evil. But in this way, it can be okay. It's like, what? what? You can't just declare evil on something and then say, but it's okay. You're trying to hold two truths and there's impossible because they conflict with each other. 
so that was going on, and we're we're talking about it as we went through, and like this is kind of it was interesting. He was a good speaker, but his points were shit. And then they did the responsive reading at the end, and that we literally left. Right? Okay, no, no, that just felt there was something about it that felt dead and lifeless and scary. But you go leave the the sanctuary and you go to the the kids section and it's full of life. And the kids are actually learning something and they're enjoying it. And we had young ones at the time, little ones that did not want to go away from us. that didn't want to play in nurseries and children's churches that were actually doing good there. So while we said we'll never really attend, my wife loves being a part of a community. She loves helping and doing things. And they would allow her to do that without being a member and the children's place was really good for two years. There were some complaints, and I kept telling her, I kept telling my wife, what you have to understand about a church, any business, but in anything with leadership, really, if you want to break it down to you, but specifically about church, the way the preacher is and the way the preacher's family is is the way the church will be. And the way you see people respond to the preacher, negatively, positively, mindlessly, however you want to put it. The way you see them respond is the way the church will run. And she would she would say things about people that they did this today. It's like, I'm telling you, get the hell out of there. Well, but the kids are getting something out of it. Yeah, but eventually they won't. Eventually this will blow up. Get the hell out of there. But she played nice for a while. And then eventually something did blow up. And now they don't go there anymore for any reason. And it wasn't ugly with the kids. The kids were only kind of involved. And the person who actually ran the kids thing was leaving. And she actually wasn't directly involved either. It, 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 it's a longer story that I don't feel like telling right now. But my point is, she played nice and still lost everything. And now she's a lot, it's a lot more painful for her because... She tried, and basically they rejected her, but she tried, and while she did get to do some good things over that time and does not regret that part, now she's she has nothing again, and she has to find but she instantly started finding other ways. My wife is really good about that. But that's my point. Playing nice for long is agony. I'm done playing nice. Some kids come over here, and instantly they're just, I'm raising my own children. So if your kids come over here and instantly they start doing something that that's against me, or I Again, we had neighbor kids come knock on the door, walk into the house, and all of a sudden we're in the back room of my kid, my daughter's room going through the jewelry box. And I'm sure they were innocent. They were fine. They were just being a kid, but they had no discipline. They had, Their father was in the front yard not even knowing his kid was in my house because they wouldn't know if my kids would play with his kids. And I'm like, get out. And I told my wife, no, they're not allowed in this house, period. If they want to play in the yard, they can. I'm done playing nice. I'm not here to raise anybody else's kid. I'm done. Playing nice comes into thoughts. Well, you're a potential client, and I can do that job for you. Something's not quite clicking, but I'm going to play nice because you're offering me some decent money. I can do the job. I'm going to play nice. But what that does for me, that thought of playing nice says has taught me over and over in my life but if I play nice, eventually something will go negative. I will carry a negative burden for a while. I'll be angry. I'll be getting paid, but it'll be a burden. It'll be a, <sighs> it'll feel so heavy to do it. And then it might end politely. It might end horribly. Either way, I want to have this negative on me. Where's thoughtlessness, which is instinct a lot of times, which is truth a lot of times in your life that you don't know where it comes from. It's just there. Thoughtlessness says, you know, everything on this looks good. It just doesn't feel like the right thing for me to do right now. So I hope that you, you find exactly what you need to get where you want to be. You know, thank you for talking to me. That's what thoughtlessness would have said for me. And that's something I have to go deal with after I get off this show. So I think, I think I've wrapped everything there. I think you get the, the point. Well, you know what? The one thing I didn't wrap up is the podcasting. Talking about the new business plan. The original business plan says that I build this cog for 50 cents. I sell it for $5. Cost, profit margin. I can do X amount in a day. So in a year, I'm going to make this much money. It's going to cost me this much for the factory. That's a business plan. That's how you get a loan from a bank. I get that. The new business plan. Well, I've been calling a new business plan. I'd love a, a better word for it. But the new business plan for something like me in my life. 
is I've had Brian Ibbett, who is the co-founder of the Giant Size Team Up Network, which is a company for us. We're running it like a business. We have business obligations in it. He says, well, how, what's our business plan? I said, well, the new business plan is here's how we can make money here. Here's how we can make money here. Here's how we can make money. Will we? I don't know. But we can if we take these steps, we can get to here. We can't guarantee any of it. And that's, that's to me, the new business plan of the flow. And no point did he and I ever realize we'd be doing a show that we're doing now that is, is growing by leaps and bounds just instantly that we can instantly turn around and have a marketable audience to sell t-shirts to and to really gain advertising. Cause that's something that can't go in the plan. The unknown can't go into the plan. So while there is some thought into what we're going to do, the rest of it is thoughtlessness. Is let's stop worrying about it. Let's flow with what we do know. Let's flow with where we're going. And we know we're going here. We know we're taking these steps there. We know that we're always looking for the opportunities. Because thought sometimes tells us you have to do it the business plan. Thoughtlessness says, well, we have part of a business plan. We have ideas. You know what? Screw that. I'm going to talk about dogma. I'm going to quote dogma. The end of dogma by Kevin Smith. The whole thing is wrapped up and I get it now. Sigourney Weaver. Not yeah, I think Sigourney Weaver says, I get it now. Belief starts wars. Belief is this rigid. I'm expanding on the quote. Belief is this rigid thought process of this is how it has to be. However, ideas, ideas, Ideas are fluid and they can change and they can grow. And that's how you change the world. So thoughtlessness is more of, of instinct and ideas and heart. And the thought process is this is how things need to be. If you've enjoyed what I've done, if you, you want to hear more of it, if you want to put more out there, we're about to be up on iTunes. Uh, we had a process. It's just the way we do. Uh, you can subscribe. You can also go to charlesmcfall.com and there's a speak pipe there that you can speak, that you can leave a voicemail. We'd love to have your question to get me on a story. I'd love to have a, a response from you to discuss more about points that I've talked about. You can email me bearcrawling at gmail.com. We are setting up a Patreon page that is not live yet at this recording. So if you just are moved by what you've heard and want to do something for me, my PayPal is bearcrawling at gmail.com as well. Follow me, Rock God of Podcasting, on Facebook. At Twitter is at Rock God of Pod. That's how you can get all your information in. Now go out there and kick ass and make your own stories in life. <laughs>